Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I don't. Some bad hat Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Fleabag Season 1, Damask Leary. Welcome back to the show. It's great to be back, Broad. Thank you for welcoming me back. I'd like to thank our live studio audience. (laughs) Put in the applause track, please. (laughs) No, it's just you and me in our bedroom. Go on. You've been away for a little while. Uh, You've been very busy with your university Mm -hmm. uh, responsibilities. I'm so smart now. So smart. Yeah. You're the smartest one on the podcast by a long way already. Um, But it's been great. It's great to have you back. It's been like four weeks. Thank Mm -hmm. you very much to Hannah and Lucas and Liam who filled in while you're away. But I'm very, very happy to have you back. Looking forward to talking about Fleabag season one with you. Uh, Before we do that, though, we need to do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, For regular listeners of the podcast, you may have noticed that we started having some advertising on the show as of last week. This is because we are now a part of of a podcast network known as Lip Media. Mm-hmm. We've sold out, baby. Yes. So, Lip Media is a queer and women-focused podcast network. Um, I am neither of those things. Mm-hmm. I'm both. Is both. Thank God. She fills the quota there. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're really, really happy to be part of Lip Media. Um, and so, because we are now a part of this podcast network, it's possible that you might be listening to us for the first time. So welcome. Just v- welcome to the show, first of all. And I just quickly want to sort of explain what the show is. Hunting Seasons is a show about TV. We are TV enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. We've been doing this for nearly three years now. Feels like a million. We have 110-ish review episodes Mm -hmm. talking about all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, Russian Doll, Glow, Orange is the New Black. Don't make me try and remember them. I can't. Please like me. You've watched it. Mm. We've watched it. You name it, we've watched it. Go and check it out. We've got 100 plus episodes, plus episodes just talking about TV and entertainment in general. There's lots out there. Please go and scour through that if you're interested in that stuff. Um, But yeah, basically this episode and most episodes are us reviewing, first with a spoiler-free review, a season of television. Mm -hmm. And then we go into a deep dive discussion when we get into the spoiler zone. Yes. And the reason we do that is so you can come on in if you haven't watched the season yet. Mm -hmm. You can get a vibe of whether we like it or not, our general opinions. And if you're then inclined, you can go and watch it and then come back for the deep dive. Correct. And so for regular listeners, um, if you're wondering what us being part of Lip Media means, um, the main thing is you'll probably notice is that we're going to have a little bumper for Lip Media at the start of the show and there's going to be some ads now. Sorry. Uh, I need I'm, to pay rent, all yeah, right? Don't judge me. This is going to help a lot to keep, help us to pay for the overheads of the podcast, keep mm-hmm. it going, hopefully for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you don't mind, that'd be great. Support our sponsors as well. Yes, um, please. That being said, if there's any sponsors that come up uh, advertising that is objectionable in any way, yes. please let us know. 
Yes. Because we do get some, we don't get immediate control, but we can sort of get some control of what's mm-hmm. being advertised. If there's something you think is like not on brand for hunting seasons, let us know. We'd like to try and tune that and get that right. If you hear anything like, and are like, whoa, that's fucked. Yeah. Please let us Please know. Please let us know and we'll yeah. try and change that in the future. Um, also, we are now aiming to release episodes on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Previously, for the last year or so, we've been aiming th- sort of Thursdays and Fridays. Mm-hmm. We're now going to try and bring this to you on Sundays or uh, Mondays, perhaps at the latest, so that by the time you're heading to work, commuting on a Monday morning, you're going to have a nice, fresh podcast in your feed to listen to. I think that's it for housekeeping, so let's get to our spoiler-free review of Fleabag Season 1. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Fleabag is a BBC and Amazon Studios comedy, drama, television show created and written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Based on Waller-Bridge's one-woman stage show first performed in 2013, the TV series premiered on July 21st, 2016. Aside from Waller-Bridge... Fleabag Season 1 features performances from Sian Clifford, Bill Patterson, Brett Fellman, Hugh Dennis, Jenny Rainsford, and most notably Olivia Colman as Godmother. Fleabag Season 1 consists of six episodes, each coming in at around 25 minutes, and took us approximately two hours and 30 minutes to watch. Waller Bridge won the British Academy Television Award for Best Female Comedy Performance for the first series in 2017, and returned for a second season and possibly final in April 2019. So, the big question is, Damask, why mm. do we decide to watch and review Fleabag? Approximately a million years ago, my- About that many podcasts ago, at least, yes. Yes, my now ex-girlfriend, um, RIP to that relationship, um, she watched it and was like, oh my God, it's amazing, you should watch it. I didn't trust her judgment, so it took me about six months to actually get around to it. I watched it and I shared with you that it was fucking amazing- and it's just taken us this long to get around to it. I remember, I couldn't tell you what episode of the podcast is, but I remember you bringing it up in mm-hmm. our off-topic, hot-topic discussion. And yeah, you were pretty into it. I got eventually got around to watching the first episode, mm-hmm. half watching it. I famously said it was British girls in the HBO series Girls. You, you said, idiot. what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and Which I, was a correct response. I, I want to rescind whatever that was. <laughs> <laughs> that was incorrect. I actually read someone who had written that in an official review of Season One of Fleabag, and oh, I was really? just like, "What an idiot!" Anyway, uh, at least I'm happy to hear someone else felt that way because I must hmm. have been picking up on some vibe. Many people share it. wrong opinions all the time, <laughs> bro. True, true. And since then, I was able to watch the first season, the second season. I think I've seen the first season through three times now. Yeah, I think I've done the same. Um, which is pretty cool. And of course, Fleabag. I mean, this is just good timing, really. Fleabag season two not to get ahead of ourselves, um, has done very well at mm-hmm. the Emmys recently and mm-hmm. is sort of, people will abridge the talk of the town. So, this is somewhat topical as well. Yes. Uh, so, with that in mind, Damask, would you mind giving us your spoiler-free review of Fleabag season one? It'd be an honour, Brod. Thanks Thank for you. asking. <laughs> All right. What can you say about Fleabag, the character? I guess she's the character of Samantha from Sex and the City, but actually written by women and not just a gay man's fantasy of a straight woman. It's quite nice. Nihilism, quips, siggies and sex, that's our flea bag. And you have to speak in depth about the character in order to speak about the show. It is completely from her perspective, making it feel so entirely personal that you never want to abandon this woman. In fact, you feel compelled to stay with her. The only person Fleabag is ever honest with is you, the viewer. She rarely shares her constant barrage of jokes with those around her. Only us. 
The few times she does let it out, it's met with confusion or misunderstanding. Fleabag draws you in with her cutting wit and perfectly timed side-eye, which I respect, but slowly she reveals to you, although not entirely on purpose, that she is not bemused by her own damage, instead is lost within it. You feel privileged that she shares her secret self with you. How could you not stay with her? How could you not silently encourage her from the sidelines? You find yourself whispering or sometimes shouting, it's okay, or please don't do it to yourself. Not out of judgment, but because you know the pain she feels when she lets herself down. It's a falsehood, I think, that depression and grief are without humour. When you're experiencing those things, your own existence can feel overwhelmingly pointless. And a consequence of that is the earnestness of those around you suddenly becomes fucking hilarious. The gap grows between you and those who continue to vehemently express passion about other people or social issues or their favourite cup of coffee. You are different and you see the world differently. Where can you go? Fleabag makes us laugh from the very first scene of this show and we think we know the character. But the facade slowly falls away and we realise there is more there. And it feels really, really special. Fleabag, the character, has always been and will always be a hilarious person, ready with a joke. But it becomes clear that the deafening silence of a joke that goes unheard because of loneliness is unbearable, both to the viewer and the character herself. This show and its main character will stay with you long after the final episode of season one. And that's probably why you kept hearing whispers of this show for the last three years until they finally got louder and louder, and then, whoa, what's happening now? Fleabag and Phoebe Waller-Bridge was suddenly booming out of every goddamn person's mouth this past year, whether it be Killing Eve or her work in Star Wars or the fucking Emmys that she totally owned. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is everywhere. It started here, and it's a very good reason why. Broad. Very nice. Uh, I wish I could say I had anything as well prepared as you did for this review. I mainly have dot points. So I'm going to work my way through it. Please interrupt me if there's anything you want to add here. You're a pretty articulate fellow. I reckon oh, you got this. see how we go. Uh, first of all, uh, just to have to... That sort of review just gave there is such a um, beautiful uh, celebration of the show, I think, an explanation of what the show delivers, and especially the character of Fleabag. And of course, we have to thank Phoebe Waller-Bridge, as you were doing towards the end there, for that. This is a show created written and starring this woman mm-hmm. and is fucking amazing. Yep. She is an incredible, incredible talent. Uh, the writing throughout this entire series is great. It is funny. It is subtle often and devastating. And it's one of those shows where episodes, what we have six in the series, in a season, they run for 25 minutes each. This is a all killer, no filler sort of show. Mm-hmm. There is not a, a scene or a frame wasted. Everything here is important. Everything here has meaning. And there is just so much to dive into. The third time through now watching it, Mm. I was still finding elements to the performance or to the structure of the show, what the show was sort of trying to say in the story. The third time through, I was finding new stuff. Amazing. Performances throughout are great. Fibula Bridge stars. She has a very interesting role, obviously, just playing the character of Fleabag, but then taking this fourth wall breaking approach where she is frequently... Looking at, looking to, making faces to, talking directly to the audience and the camera, Mm. which could really, really, in other shows, be cloying or unnatural or just not work on some level. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I want to talk about, I want to ask you is just why you think it works so well 
in Fleabag. What is it about the way it's being done here? I'm trying to think of other shows that have this. Um, the one that comes to mind straight away is House of Cards, though I've never really watched House of Cards. I watched season one of House of Cards. Does, yeah. does Frank... I uh, can't remember his name because I haven't watched the show. Does the Kevin Spacey's character in that talk to the camera as well? It's obviously a lot of looking towards yeah, the camera. Yeah, from what I remember, he does, yeah. Does that... Is there any comparison there from memory or is there... Mm, I mean, they're no. obviously trying very different yeah. things. Extremely <laughs> different totally characters. very and- different. Um, though both kind of have narcissistic tendencies. Yep. Um, I think the first two episodes of House of Cards, the, the, the monologuing is... I think, beautifully written. Mm -hmm. After that, it really loses its impact, I think. Um, But this show, it never loses its impact. I think it's without the the perspective of her breaking the fourth wall Mm -hmm. and turning to us, the show becomes something very different. And I think Mm -hmm. it's integral to the character. I mean, the character's journey is about her inability in this time frame to connect with those around her. Mm -hmm. And so... Her having these little asides is her crutch. It's it's part of the story, and so it's really totally. important, which I think is different. The yeah yeah yeah, it's integral to the way mm. you perceive this story yeah. that this fourth wall break is happening. Mm-hmm. I think, and just and this is seems obvious as well, but it does just come down ta- come down to Phoebe Waller-Bridge's performance. She makes it work because of her ability to seem. It's it feels natural mm-hmm. to drift in and out, like in a scene, maybe multiple times sometimes, to break from the interaction that she's having with somebody else, to look to the camera and have an aside and mm. back and it not feel like she's broken, not feel like the other people around her have noticed or have broken. It just, mm. It's just so... It feels like a magic trick sometimes. Yeah. Like I mean, it could it, be done with editing and instead it's just done with the way she performs it. Yeah, it always feels like, you know, when you're at a family dinner with a partner or whatever and, I don't know, grandma says something funny or whatever... Um, and no one acknowledges it, but your partner just like quickly grabs your hand and gives it a little squeeze and you both share a joke. It always feels like that. Yeah. It never feels like an overt comment or whatever it might be. Absolutely. Yeah. And that I think that subtlety of it as well mm. is it runs throughout the whole show. Again, third time through, you're finding layers that you realize were always there, were always intended to be there, how certain information is revealed, when certain information mm. is revealed. It is... Going back and watching it through again and again, it's it's must, it's just so devastating at times, but subtly. it's These are subtle strokes that this picture is painted with. Mm. And so, just on the surface level, you can just enjoy it for being extremely engaging and funny. Like, it's, it's all of that. Mm-hmm. And then, if you examine it more closely and the things that are being said, when they're being said, what's not being said, what's being alluded to, there, it's just a beautifully rendered picture. And you can focus on, like, you, you could easily just focus on Fleabag, the character, and her interaction with this world and get one side of this story. Focus on how everybody around her is talking to her. Mm. And that's a whole other story that all comes together by the end of it. It's just beautifully, beautifully crafted. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful story and beautifully told. Um, I think my favourite aspect of this show, my favourite sort of storyline, is... Anytime we have Fleabag with her sister, Claire. Oh, I, agreed. I know you're a massive fan of like female friendships in mm-hmm. shows. This is up there. This is something Liam and I were talking about. We're brothers mm. and like we just can't get over how real and how um, relatable and how beautifully fleshed out their relationship is. It's in its complexities, in their... Um, 
familiarity to each other in their, how much they rely on each other, how much they care for each other. It's all there and it is so well done throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you agree with that. Or no, I do. That? I mean, yeah, I'm not close to my siblings, so sure. I don't share that. But good Lord, I see it in like people around me who sure. are very close in that way. And I get to watch it just as we do watch it in the show and just laugh often when I'm with you and Liam specifically. Um, yeah, no, I think they have a beautiful relationship. And I think the first time that I watched Fleabag through, I thought Claire was going to be a very different character. Sure, yeah. I thought she was really going to be the kind of, you know, the outline that we see in that first episode yep. of, you know, the type A, judgmental, um, she's the sister that does everything right. Yeah. But – I think, you know, as we get towards the end, we realize there is more to her than that and the relationship is far more complex than that. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, okay, that, that feels real. Uh, and just to finish this off, I just want to say Olivia Coleman is amazing. <laughs> we all know this. <laughs> we do. This is not new information. The by Academy any has now acknowledged <laughs> it. Acknowledged so. it. But I just, her character of Godmother and the way she plays this very special type of niceness mm-hmm. disguised as judgment and mm-hmm. spitefulness and all these other things mm. going on. It's just delicious every single time. Yeah. So if you just need to, if you listening to this and you were struggling to think, oh, maybe this sounds okay, but you know, I could give it a miss. Olivia Coleman is fucking in this and she's fucking amazing. That should be enough. <laughs> and it's a, a role that she doesn't often get to play. It is different um, for her as for well. For a lot of particularly the things that he that she's done in um British television that you know, we all knew her from before mm-hmm. um, The Favourite. Um, so, yeah, it was very different to see her in that role and it was shocking but also delightful and delicious. That's sort of what we're getting from Olivia Coleman mm. now. We think of her starting on like when she was doing sketch comedy, when she was doing Peep Show, mm. then she was doing Broadchurch, mm-hmm. which is the big change. Yeah. And it was like, oh, wow, she can do drama as well. And then this, and we've got, yeah, The Favourite and now The Crown coming up. Mm. Fuck me. So good. Anyway, that's a little bit off track. Final score and rank. Well, no ranking. Final score for you, Damask. Out of five stars, how would you rate Fleabag season one? I was going to play it cool. <laughs> I was my oh, like, let's not overdo Three it. Three and but a half, yeah. you know, middle of the road. I know people are talking about it. It's a little yeah. over the top. No, but I've watched it three times now. The first time I watched it, I was like, this show is perfect. The second mm-hmm. time I watched it, I'm like, this show is perfect. And the third time <laughs> I watched it, I was like, yeah, no, accurate. The first two times, I was like, this show is perfect. So I'm giving it a five. You checked, you double checked, <laughs> you triple checked. I've done my work, people. I, I feel I feel happy with that one. I'm happy to say I think it's a five-star show as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited. I'm so glad we got to talk about this eventually. I'm looking yeah, forward to too. talking about it next when we talk about spoilers. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning, on this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one of Fleabag. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Fleabag up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Let's just start with an obvious question. Mm. The first time through... Mm-hmm. Do you remember when you figured out that uh, it was Fleabag that had slept with Boo's partner and therefore a big part of the reason she ended up mm. get being killed? I, I say this not because I think this is like a big mystery. It's like, it, I think it, if you hadn't caught on, that moment will shock you, that mm. moment. But I don't think it's meant to be something you hadn't figured out by now. No. It's not like, oh, you're so clever, you did it. Yeah. But It's not like Westworld or whatever the fuck Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry to remind you of that show. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, but yeah, do you remember when you sort of figured that out? Now, Broad, we've been doing this for a couple of years now. When mm-hmm. do you think I figured it out? Right as it happened? <laughs> like I was told, really? Really? Because yes. uh, I just go along like a small idiot child with television. I'm just like, la di da Um, So, I yeah, I didn't cotton on to... Um, the fact that it was, in fact, Fleabag that had been the other woman. And um, when it happened, I was devastated. That's, that's what I want to know I now. Was, I was devastated. I just, I believe I just, just started crying, like projectile crying out of my eye holes. Gee, it was, yeah, it was, projectile crying. It was pretty intense. Yeah, I was really upset. Yeah, was really totally. Ups- and I was devastated for her. And I, it, yeah, it just crushed me in that moment to realize what she had done right. or what she felt guilty about. 
Mm. Yeah, I think I figured it out uh, in, I think it's episode three when her and Martin are going looking for shoe presents. shopping. Yeah, the shoes mm. and the guy's there. Yeah. And it was sort of at that moment you realise, for me, I was mm. like, ah, right. I should not be I a detective. No, no, it wouldn't <laughs> be like you so at all. terrible at it. Um, one of the things that's key to this show is sex, basically. Um, there's a quote from Fleabag from the final episode. I really wish that I didn't even know what that fucking existed. Mm. Um, it sort of seems to be this extremely important or big part of her life. We're introduced to Fleabag when she's having sex with a guy. She's constantly thinking about having sex. She explains it in episode two, I think it is, maybe episode one, mm. that she's not obsessed with sex, the physical act of it. She's ex- uh, obsessed with or she the enjoys drama the drama of it. Of it. Yeah, um, not the actual feeling of it. Yeah. And mm, I just think it's an interesting part of this show. It's like sex is never presented in a particularly graphic way or anything in this show. It's not about the physical act of sex in that aspect. It's very much about what it means to her, what she gets from it, the damage it can do, mm. how it affects the people around them. It's interesting also getting to the sex position, sex exhibition, sex exhibition? Yes. Sex exhibition. Sex exhibition at the end, and which is all this celebration of sex that Godmother is trying to have and mm. so forth. And then we find all these destructive elements to sex as well. I don't know. Did you have any perspectives on this and like- Yeah, it was something I- Maybe it was like a Twitter thread. Probably would have been a few months ago now, but just talking about how- um, one night stands mm. are not great for women, for straight women. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it's generally not female focused. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of men, um, from what I hear, not great at pleasuring women in that way, particularly if it's a one night stand, they don't have to. They've, you know, they're going to get what they would like to get out of that, which is, an orgasm. I'm going to nod um, my head without making a comment. <laughs> and so I think, you know, this also speaks to that is that, you know, one night stands just fucking random guys and performing to them mm-hmm. in which sex is a performance. It's a performative act. Um, while it in and of itself isn't damaging, but I think if it's habitual, mm can devalue yourself or like the fact that you should want to in physically enjoy sex while that isn't the only purpose of it. You should like, you know, having an orgasm once in a while should be the goal sometimes um, and you shouldn't have to masturbate to Barack Obama while your boyfriend sleeps next <laughs> to you. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great exploration of the complexity of sex. It is super fun and it should be, mm-hmm. but it also, it depends. It really does depend why you're doing it mm. and what that says about how you feel about yourself. Is, is she an addict? Like, is there any, there's, I don't think it's ever presented that way, but I think it's a question worth asking. Like, she, is there an addictive element to this? She is so mm. focused on it so constantly, whether it's like the next guy that comes in here, I'm going to ride to death or mm. is any interaction, any setting, retail settings, whatever she has with a human mm. being that she finds attractive becomes a bit like, oh, okay, this could be something. I think her sexual appetite, it actually reminds me a little bit with my relationship to alcohol. Now, I'm Mm -hmm. not an alcoholic, I'm not an addict, but I have a troubled relationship with alcohol in which I don't have the thing that says, oh, you should stop now. Sure. Or maybe, you know, you've got an assignment due, 
if your housemate comes home and says, would you like to get drunk? You should say no. Mm-hmm. I don't have that thing in my brain. So I always be like, yeah, sure. I'll have a drink. Why not? And it's never one. So, I don't know how much we go into this and we can cut this from the <laughs> podcast later if you don't want to talk about it. But yeah. maybe it's applicable here mm. just in terms of exploring the character of Fleabag. So, when your housemate comes home and says, mm. hey, do you want to get drunk? Yes. What's, what's the... What's the appeal there? What is it about that scenario? It's because that then means I don't have to do the stuff that I don't want to have to do. So, whether that is simply have thoughts or I have an assignment to do or I've got like work tomorrow, whatever it might be, whatever I don't want to deal with, Mm -hmm. alcohol is very much a thing. It's like, oh, cool. I can just have fun with you. Yep. And that's what I'm doing. And that's exactly what she's doing. She's not dealing with... And her normal life, it's, a distraction. it's constantly just a distraction of yeah. like, oh, well, now I'm focusing on this and I can have a giggle about how I might have a huge asshole or like yeah. I can tell someone's story about how I like accidentally flashed like the bank dude or whatever it might be. There's always something else that she can focus on that isn't the thing that she should be focusing on. Julie, with that though, because I think you're 100% right about that, it's also a way for her to form connections, mm-hmm. at least, well, temporary connections, but- mm. It's so there is the the part of it that is fulfilling for her in the sense that she's being touched or she's being desired. Like that want mm. is obviously really important. And the thing that I think becomes clear like when the guy come is walking towards her and she's like, "Oh God, he thinks I'm so hot." Sure, and then he's like, "Walk a shame." Yep, but like that's she's just desperate for it. I think she says the thing. I'm trying to remember the exact quote, but the thing that like for her is the big bit about, about sex is when you get to that moment when you realize this person wants your body, mm-hmm. right? So, again, it's that like you are mm-hmm. wanted, you are desired. Yeah. And so, she's just gone through this traumatic experience. Which is a experience. great feeling to have. Totally. Like, yeah. But it's filling this hole that she has mm. at the moment where she's- Her relationship with her sister is complex to say the least. <laughs> and it's not not like- It's a loving relationship in a lot of ways, but they're also such different people that mm. they grate on each other so much. Her relationship to- Her mother isn't around. Her mother, mother has died. Mm. Her father is basically incapable of connecting with his daughters. He just, just does, connected to say the least. Just does not have the faculties for it, apparently, mm-hmm. the, the ability to do it. Her godmother, stepmother, whatever you want to call her, is a piece of work. Um, <laughs> and then her best friend, the person that she did connect with- mm-hmm is gone and not only gone is she feels blame for her being gone as well. Yes. And so it's like, yeah, she's, she gets this connection, which can be temporary. She gets that thing she's missing. Mm. It's a distraction as well from her guilt and all those things. Mm-hmm. It, there's so much to it. And then just the, the prison it creates for mm-hmm. her where the more she's doing this thing that's helping her to feel good, quote unquote, the more it seems to just be destroying her. It's self-destructive. It's Mm -hmm. affecting her relationships Mm. to her family. It becomes a compulsion, doesn't it? It does. So, yeah. And I think for a long time, she did have like this refuge of female connectedness. Yeah. Um, And so like going out and like fucking dudes was great, but you always had like a home to come home to, to talk about it. Right. So whether you had the most amazing orgasm of your life last night with some random dude or, you know, something just hilarious happened and it was not a great time, but also a good story. Mm -hmm. You had someone to come home and talk about it with, which I think is like the important part of that. She's collecting all of these stories and she's, she only has us to tell. And we don't exist in that world yeah. at all. And so, it, the tragedy of that just kind of builds and builds as the season goes on. 
Um, and, you know, it's, it's lovely to see those moments of connectedness with Boo um, that, as we go on, demonstrates the gap that now exists, which is, yeah, tragic. So, to get a bit more, you sort of mentioned this and we talked about this in the spoiler-free part, but how do you see the our role as the audience mm. in this with Fleabag? Are we just, are we like an imaginary friend? Are we a mirror? Are we just her inner dialogue? What are, it seems like, because basically one of the things that I noticed this finally noticed the third time around, I don't think I noticed the first time, mm. was that when the Boo situation comes out, when Claire brings it up, it's like, you know, what you did to Boo. Yeah. <sighs> It, all of a sudden, she can't look at the camera anymore. Mm-hmm. She just feels this sense of, like, judgment being placed upon her. Mm-hmm. And that, as far as I remember, is the last time she looks at the camera mm. throughout the rest of the series. There's a couple of scenes that take place before the end of the se- of the season, and that's it. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, is there... How do we... Mm. What? What is this? What are we? How does this... What is this saying about Fleabag? Yeah. What is this saying about the world? I think that the role of of us I think can change depending like I kind of think at like how many times you've watched it maybe mm-hmm. um and the way that you are contextualizing things her constantly breaking away to either speak to herself if that's what you think or speak to us mm-hmm. um it is to constantly remove herself from the present to actually connecting with people. Mm-hmm. It's always an aside to like make fun of someone or the situation. So she's never really present. She's, she, you know, she's going after these connections that aren't real connections. She's mm-hmm. not connecting with anybody but us, which is hilarious because obviously when they go to the silent retreat, mm-hmm. of course she can't be silent. Of course she can't sit there and and think her thoughts without putting them up against someone or a situation. Like we get a side eye here and there, but if she actually had to sit in that for more than five minutes, she'd fucking lose her mind. Um, yeah, she's it's just noise. It's just constant chatter that she needs. Same with the sex. She just needs a constant distraction and that's what's happening. One of the things you said in your spoiler-free review is that she's only ever really honest with us, mm. right? So, in a scene... She can be saying one thing, but we're getting her honest thoughts when mm. she's on the camera. I don't think that's necessarily 100% true. Or it's mm. not always true. Yes. Often, I think she's lying to herself. Mm. I mean, the thing that I really recognize this time around is how much she doesn't want to talk about Boo at all. Boo keeps showing up through like... The, it's like it almost intrudes its way in. Mm-hmm. The first time we see Boo is when she's having a conversation with Claire at the feminist lecture... And she asks, what sort of pants are you wearing? Because she keeps on getting thrushed or whatever it is. Mm. And then she has this like memory of Boo and her shopping and then comes back. Doesn't discuss it. Mm. She only really discusses Boo when it's brought up specifically. I think the guy comes in and says, Do I recognize her? Mm. And then she's like, oh, I better tell you about Boo. And then the guinea pig is like, oh, I better tell you about Hillary. And then it's like the pencil reminds her or... You know, a time when she was angry at herself reminds her or whatever it is. It's like, it just sort of like invades. Mm-hmm. And so- It's like a, you know, PTSD flashback of this thing that she's desperately trying to push out. So, it's mm. the talk is 
yeah, we get her honest opinion on mm. certain things, particularly other people. Mm. But she's she's lying to us about her, and she's lying to herself about her. Oh well, that's a, that's the beauty of it is that we get this idea of who this character is, right? Mm-hmm. So I like at the at the top of my spoiler free review, I'm like, it's like the character of Samantha from Sex and the City, written by a woman, and I think she probably thinks of herself in that way. She's got all these fabulous stories and making jokes and oh anal, ha ha ha, all that kind of stuff, because like that's who she wants herself to be in the world to think of her as and i think i think her dad says why do you do this to yourself specifically talking about smoking and she just says because it's cool and it's like it's and that's kind of in a way i think that's yeah she that's how she explains all of Mm. her sort of behavior and i think probably she has always shown that to the outside world but there was a special tender spot that she saved for the person that she loved the most Mm -hmm. and so there was balance there there isn't balance anymore and so that this kind of role this mask that she's wearing is like slowly creeping into her skull and she's losing it a little bit she's losing herself you said then you know this is samantha but written by a woman Mm. right in the first episode uh they are what the lecture the feminist lecture and the woman asks that's her mum by the way is that right yeah i found that out today there you go and the lecturer is like, who of you would lose five years from your life to <laughs> be thin life. or whatever? And her and Fleabag and Claire put their hands right up right and up. down. And then they say, I think uh, Fleabag says, we're bad feminists. feminists yeah. So, it, it's interesting you saying, you know, this is written by mm. a, a woman. This is obviously written by women. It's from a women's perspective and it's an it's a authentic one. So, when they say things like, or the character of Claire and Fleabag think of themselves as bad feminists, mm. where does this fit into a feminist conversation for you? Like, where is this? Is Are they bad feminists or is this just a realistic interpretation of what it's like to be a woman? Are, are they being too harsh on themselves because they are interested in, like, their own image and those sorts of things? Like, for you as a woman, yeah. what's your perspective on that? I mean, we. I think we all have our own experiences with feminism. Sure. Um, because we all have our own experiences of living in the patriarchy. And so, to judge yourself because there are um, side effects of the patriarchy still coursing through your veins, I don't think you should – I don't think that makes you a bad feminist to have this desire to have the perfect body that's been drilled into your brain since you were two years old. Uh, yeah, I, I think – it's a really honest reflection of the complexities of that, of having these two very strong ideals, one that you now align yourself with, sure. but one that you have grown up with, like constantly fighting each other. It's complex and I think it's a, a discussion that we always need to have. And do you think the show in general is like, is a feminist text or is a... It is by its the- existence, sure. but I don't think that... Because it is from a female perspective... Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, if it's a true organic female perspective, I think that is innately feminist because mm-hmm. um, our voices matter. Um, do I think it's trying to overtly say anything feminist? No, mm-hmm. but it does. And I think that's cool. I think, and I wish I'd done better research on this, but I'm just remembering now there have been, there's been a little bit of criticism about mm. Fleabag and its popularity maybe or how much it's been celebrated. Right. Um, because it is about a white woman, well, mm-hmm. in in London, mm-hmm. in a generally fairly wealthy situation. She comes from money. Mm-hmm. She, you know, private school education, probably all those sorts of things. Yeah. And there's been some people sort of 
arguing that this isn't the sort of thing we should be celebrating or trying to see more of, mm-hmm. or it is taking over discussions that we should be giving over to maybe women of colour mm. or from um, less privileged backgrounds, those sorts of things. How do you feel about that sort of criticism? Or I may have just presented that to you for the first time, you but have. I remember seeing That's it. That's fine. So. I, I mean, I think all of that stuff is very valid. Obviously, women of people of colour and women of colour um, certainly need more opportunities mm. to tell their stories. And I think this story, if, you know, certain people don't – um, align with it or get anything out of it or mm-hmm. think it's not particularly valid to their experience, that's – I get it. That's fine. Um, and I absolutely think that we should be um, vying for more people of colour to have a chance to tell their stories. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's – it's all valid. Of course it is. I can't – I don't think I disagree with that. Does it make Fleabag any way less – Valid or less? Not to me, va- d- but that's, that's my experience and that's my opinion. It is it is valid to me. Yeah. Um, I really connected with it. Yeah. But I can't speak for other people, yeah. How do you... Oh, uh, the father-daughter relationship. Yep. I think the first time I watched it, I, for whatever reason, sympathised with this poor doddering fool a little bit more. And then on the rewatch, I was like, oh, you're just a really bad father. Sure. Like he's bad, right? Do you think he's tr- do you think he's trying? I think is the first question, right? Do you think cuz because uh, he's obviously a bad dad. He is mm. bad at being a father to daughters. Mm-hmm. He has he either he hasn't made the effort or he doesn't know how to connect with them. Mm. He is definitely trying to do something there. He buys them, you know, these feminists uh, tickets to feminist lectures or to these retreats. Mm. He makes sure that they're getting, you know, checked because their mother died of breast <laughs> cancer, making sure they're getting their mammary gla- glands checked, mm. all those sorts of things. It's He's not without love for them. He is not without some effort. He just seems to have zero ability to do it and to connect with them in any real mm. way. I, I'm just fascinated by what the dynamic was before, before the mum died, because we see them laughing about, how she was with like, was it ducks or something? Squirrels. She's, squirrels, sorry. Um, that's right. She farts like a duck. Yeah. That's, like, or a squeaky door. A squeaky door. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I really enjoyed those descriptions because you can hear it. Yes. You're like, okay, now I know how your mum farts. Um, so, I would, yeah, I'm fascinated by what that dynamic would be. I just like, there were so many moments this time around where I was just like, that would be devastating to hear. From your dad, like when he comes over to ask her if she stole the sculpture, sure. and she's like, "No, no, what sculpture?" And he's like, "Oh, good, then I can leave." Yeah, like, oh my god, and the fact that like she even acknowledges that he doesn't like being in a room alone with her, like it's just—is it doesn't like or doesn't know how to? Like, it, he's obviously yeah, he just uncomfortable, but, but still devastating. Like, oh, totally, yeah, yeah. and it is devastating when mm. she shows up in the door in episode one. And it's just mm, like you get that from your mother. revealing herself mm. to him, yeah. super vulnerable in that moment. And he does not have any parental instinct at all mm-hmm. on how to handle that, except to buy her a cab. It's yeah. like, that's what he's got. He's got this like, he keeps asking the questions like, are you happy? Are you healthy? And mm. I don't think he's just obviously a emotionally unintelligent person. He does mm. not have that. And whether it's because they're women and he just does not feel like, his, his relationship with women has never been one that he's been comfortable with outside of romantic, maybe, with his mother, with his wife and their mother. <laughs> his mother, yeah. Um, maybe his mother, who knows? Um, 
I I sympathize for him as much as it's, I think you can say, yes, mm. he's a bad yeah. dad. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I don't sympathize with him at all. I certainly sympathize mm. with his bit at the end where, because this is what's happening towards the end as well, is Fleabag seems to be actively destroying relationships, or at least that's what it looks like. Mm. She has a real problem with Godmother because mm. Godmother has a problem with her. Yeah. You know, we've got no evidence to suggest- Mother's a fucking bitch. Yeah. We've got no evidence to suggest that that Fleabag would be would get in the way of just anybody with her dad. Mm-hmm. We just- That might be true, but there's plenty of evidence to suggest that Godmother's just a bitch mm-hmm. and, um, <laughs> and that that is an antagonistic relationship mm. and Claire feels the same way about it and that's yeah. why he gets in the way. So, when he says, though, you know, I deserve to move on and I deserve to be happy, I do feel for him there, but it's unfortunate that he's not seeing his daughter in that moment in a big way. Yeah. When Claire says- how do I trust you after what you did to Boo? Which I think is the most devastating moment of the entire show. Just, oh God. Yeah, it fucked me up. And hard. so devastating that that's where we leave their relationship mm. as well. Oh, Claire. Um, but in that moment, Claire sees what happened with Boo, sees what's happening, even though she doesn't like Godmother either, sees how she behaved and embarrassed their father. Mm. It makes sense that Claire has some doubt there. She understands what Fleabag's behaviour has been. And it is... I don't agree. I don't agree. I can't... I don't like it. No, I don't. I don't... Explain. I I just... She's your fucking sister and I just don't... I... Yes, she did this like particularly fucked up thing to Boo. Yes. I don't know. I just like... I don't believe for a second... That flea bag would. <laughs> I don't know. I just like, maybe I'm still in devastation mode, but I just like, I think it's so wrong that Claire would even think that. Do you do you have any sympathy for Claire in that moment though when she of is- Of course I do. Because she's yes. having so much, like we've it's been revealed to us over maybe the last three episodes. I've got all the empathy in the world for Claire. I love that character, but fucking hell, it, it hurts when she says that. She has a complex marriage- she has this big decision head. to be made. She's feeling guilt about that. She says herself, I think one of the most revealing moments for Claire is when she says, you can't just pack up and leave mm. your weird stepson and your broken sister. Yeah. And you realize how much of her decision making or how much she's struggling with leaving, not just because of Martin, mm. but because of Fleabag. Yeah. And like- Yeah, she's always bound by a sense of duty. Yes. Um, and I, that's one of my favorite moments in this season is Claire just kind of blurting that out after being like prodded and poked by her very annoying family. Um, just being like, well, I can't. Like, I, obviously, I would like to. I fucking can't because these are the reasons. And a sense of duty that she holds herself to. I don't necessarily think others hold her to it, but she certainly holds herself to it because she's got a set of standards that she likes to uphold. Um, just before I forget about this as well, I'm just thinking of like a potential flea bag season three, which is not on the cards at this stage. No, and we're not okay. going to talk about season two at all today. Mm. But one thing that is interesting, just to go back for a second to the father, is mm. they talk about the mother a lot. Mm-hmm. They talk about how much flea bag is like her. Mm. They talk about what she was like as a person, how much they enjoyed being around her and the hole that she sort of left in their lives. Mm. That would be an element that could be interesting to talk about in a season three. Mm-hmm is to somehow get more perspective on what that the effect of her on their lives and her dying had on Fleabag, on Claire, on the father, 
just a bit more background on like, what was this like beforehand? Mm. Maybe she was the key that held those three together and that maybe he wasn't always this bad a dad when he had a bit more direction yeah. or, or was able to lean on the skills of the mother a bit more. Mm. I don't know. I just say I'd be... That's definitely a factor I'd like to see more of. It'd be fascinating. If it's never there, it doesn't need to be, mm. but it'd be interesting. Yeah, um, no, I'd agree. Yep. But the Claire, just talking to Claire as well, the 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 biggest reason or one of the reasons that the moment at the end with Claire is so devastating is because she has an incredible moment of victory at the end of episode five. Oh. When she steals the sculpture. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm going to Finland. And I'm going to Finland. Going to Finland is massive. Mm. But I think the, the relationship between Fleabag and Claire is yes, there's care and caring there. And yes, um, they obviously love each other, but they do squabble and, and have conflict about a lot of different things. So when they can both go into that situation with Godmother and Claire brings the statue, the sculpture back and makes Fleabag give it back mm. and then sees how Godmother is treating Fleabag and actively chooses to put align herself with Fleabag in that moment is so... Fucking massive. Yeah. I love that so much. Mm, when I talk I, about how much I love the relationship, that there, that's a, that ultimate support and love she has for Fleabag is a big deal for me. Yeah, I think I really enjoyed, obviously, going, I think going to the silent retreat was awesome mm-hmm. to kind of really watch those two characters together. And then when we have this episode where they go to visit their dad and godmother, um, they walk up together. And it's like okay, it's it's nice to see them. How, while not aligned in many ways, they are bonded. Yeah, and it's nice. They're, to they can be a team. Yes, absolutely. Um, and they have that experience of having lost a mother, and that's something they share. Um, <clears throat> and oftentimes we see them relating specifically about that, whether it's at the gravesite, whether it's about mm-hmm. their mum's memorial, that type of thing. Um. So, yeah, that's really lovely. And then, you know, in that house, you feel how alone Fleabag feels Mm -hmm. and the the slap happens and it's awful and she walks out. And then, yeah, and when Claire... Slap. The slap is so so good. good. The push and the the slap. Just the the moment before the push even and just watching Olivia Coleman, you can just see the the evil gears turning. Mm. Just that she's got one lined up probably a little bit fueled by alcohol. Everyone's a little bit tipsy mm-hmm. and just, just, it's just a little bit more than normal. Just slides out, you know, how much like her mother she is or whatever. Mm. I can't remember the line. But it's, just, that, yeah. it's just enough to start the push Fuck and then you. the slap. Oh. Yeah. And she's been waiting to slap her. Yeah. All season she's been waiting to just to push me too far so I have an excuse to do it. Mm-hmm. Um and it's, yeah, just so secretive and in the hall and just like oh. quick. Oh, it's perfect. Um, yeah. And then obviously when, yeah, her Fleabag and Claire leave and she gives her the thing and she's like, it's such an act of love yeah. and support and you're not alone, which is beautiful. And then she says, yeah, I'm going to Finland. And you see that they do have a positive effect on one another. She's able to give to Claire that kind of gumption, like, you know, fucking look after yourself that Fleabag has in a lot of ways. And um, Claire is able to give her that like beautiful love and support. And oh, oh, it's 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 a wonderful scene. So we're built up to this point of like, it feels like things are getting better. Claire mm. is going to leave, you know, uh, she's found this massive support with Claire, Fleabag has. Yeah. And so to have it all crumble in the last episode like that, I don't think there was any 
I'm not sure, but it didn't seem like there was ever really planned to be a season two. So how I do you feel? So. How do you feel about uh, the show? This is how the show ends. We've sort of set up in episode one. Mm-hmm. It's pretty bleak <laughs> straight away. Up and down throughout, we get to this point of like victory, and then mm. phew, it's all taken away from you. Is that fulfilling? Well, it's not all taken away. At well, the end. finally, there is a there is a final moment. But mm. to have, we already know she's struggling to connect with Claire to connect with her dad. You mm. know, uh, she has these ongoing flings with men. Mm. Relationship with Harry is a farce performance yeah. as well. <laughs> um. Poor Harry, but also what a fucking loser. So to take that all away at the end and to have that reveal, uh, that's a very unusual for a, like you usually have that darkest moment probably an episode earlier. Instead, we had a it's like the opposite of the of the standard hero's arc in a way, which is not what the show is by any stretch of the imagination. No. But it's always just a fascinating thing to see it be so bleak at the end. It's, a, know, glimmer, it it's really a glimmer. It's a glimmer of really shock me in British television. Sure, like, sure. I was like, it's not an American show. Um, I think sure. it's got. Totally, it's been different throughout mm-hmm. and I think it's taken us on a journey. And so, to kind of – I think it brings a great level of exhaustion <laughs> in that moment to be like, oh, for fuck's sake. Sure. And you know it's at the end. You're like, oh, I have no hope. The show's about to end. This has just fucking happened. So, you know what, Fleabag? Yes, walk into traffic. Why the fuck not? Like, that's how you feel at that point. So, what's the ending for you? The bank manager shows up and mm-hmm. – recognises that she's not right and they've had their their two moments of interaction previously. The original one where she goes into <laughs> for an interview for a loan and there's a lot of misunderstandings going on there yeah. and eventually she calls him a perv and he calls her a slut. <laughs> Which I, I love her reaction to him. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so indignant after calling him a perv, which I love. And then their moment where they're both on these retreats, mm. theoretically trying to like, I don't think Fleabag's there with quite the same sort of uh, motivation to be there or desire to be there, but no, having a moment. No, she's certainly not at the stage of admitting yeah. what she needs to work on at all. And he talks about, you know, being such a disappointing man, what mm-hmm. he wants, mm. um, admitting he made a mistake and that... He's trying to move past that mistake, Mm -hmm. you know, that he thinks he can deserve to have good things in his life again. And so, this moment at the end where he, yeah, they they find each other one more time and she's in a particularly bad place right now. Mm -hmm. Basically, her entire life has collapsed around her. Her family is devastated. Yeah. Considering suicide? Considering suicide. What do you make of how this show ends? What is it ultimately saying, do you think? Mm, good question. Because um, I find it interesting that this show has been... So much of Fleabag has been about sex, right? Mm. And she is... It's all about... I think entirely with men. She does flirt with women a few different times. But I think all her sexual interactions in the show have been and with men. And a dog. And a dog. That's flirting with, not sexual interaction with. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't date a dog. Mm, depends how you flirt, baby. Mm. Um, mm, okay. <laughs> Another day we'll talk about that maybe. Damask, off sure. there. The... And all those interactions with other men have always been sexual in nature and that's sort of been their limit. Mm-hmm. Aside from asshole guy, which I think is his name in the credits, um, which she starts to think that maybe he's falling in love with her. Yeah. And then that turns out to not be the case. <laughs> Another and hilarious scene. Yeah. The only other relationship she had with a man is this guy that she's... They've both basically insulted each other or abused each other in a sense. Mm-hmm. Have 
both had very low moments. And then this is a completely sexless relationship, but it is a stranger that ultimately is helping her to move mm. on. She's connecting well, with somebody else. Yeah, I, I think he symbolizes something. So obviously they have this very antagonistic um, intro to one another, mm. um, which is a great scene. And then really, other than Claire, he is the only person that she's been able to connect with mm-hmm. and have like an honest conversation with. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's just a tiny crack, but open up herself a little bit. Um, and then the third scene where she really opens up. Yep. And then obviously through that connection comes hope, right? Mm-hmm. So when she is finally able to be honest with herself, with someone else and like just reach out of the darkness and be like, I'm fucked, I'm fucked. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm fucked. <laughs> like, and I don't have any answer as to how to get out of it. And through that vulnerability, someone sees her and goes, oh, I'll help you. Sure. And that's ultimately it. It's the willingness to look at someone and go, yeah, you made a mistake. Mm -hmm. But we all make mistakes. I'm no different. And I can support you. And that's the thing she wasn't getting. Mm -hmm. And she didn't get it from her dad, obviously. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't get it from Claire at the end either. Mm -hmm. And maybe Claire... That's that. I understand why you're devastated by that. Because that's the bit... Does that feel untrue to you that Claire... No, it doesn't feel untrue. It just feels awful. (laughs) It makes me just go, how dare you? Yeah. Yeah. How dare you ever consider it? Um, but I also think like, you know, look looking back on it, being like, okay, so your sister cheated on with her best friend's boyfriend mm-hmm. and then seemingly obviously sad about the death of her friend, but seemingly does not have any guilt around it because she won't talk about it and she says that she's fine. Like that would freak you out sure. a lot being like, why doesn't she feel bad in any way? Yeah. And not that she should be, res- she's not responsible for Boo's death, but to not have a reaction Yeah. other than to be like, I'm sad my friend's dead. Yeah. You'd be absolutely freaked out. And I think, yeah, on the rewatch, you certainly see people's reactions. Yes. Being like, um, the, what's the, going on? The one that hit me, I think the third time around was in the first episode, Harry says, you know I've really tried, tried to, to be, be there for yeah. you through this. Mm. And we don't know what this is mm-hmm. at that point. And it's those little subtle things I love as well. You go yeah. back through and you realize how much people are very aware mm. of what is or did or should be happening here, but isn't. And mm. how much it's weeding people out because of it. He's pushed. He just pushed I the point where- I also wonder if she was with Harry when she cheated. Yeah, and if that probably. That's a in the fact that he is always on the verge of tears. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, the I think the other thing that makes the Claire bit at the end just so extra hard and kind of insulting is the fact that Martin was the one, not just that she doesn't believe that Martin was the one to kiss her, but why is it that Martin wanted to or chose to try and kiss Fleabag? Mm. And what does that say about the way that he at least perceives her? Mm-hmm. That's th- that moment where he goes in to kiss her and then calls her, you're such an asshole, I think he says. Yeah. And then and she I, walks it, away. Well, it and she just to... looks so, like, dirty or something. She 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 just it's, hates herself. Yeah, it, it speaks to the the performance that she does and the performative act of, like, this, this mask that she wears. Yeah. And so, like, sex is performative. The way, you know, she walks down the street, um, you know, are going after these experiences um, and then when it seeps into, for the second time, a very close female friendship or relationship, 
yeah, it's shocking. Um, and I am in no way saying that she shouldn't be allowed to be in- inc- incredibly sexual because, yeah. of course, she should. Um, but the reaction of scumbags around her is it's still it's still shocking to her and it's upsetting, as of course it would be. Yeah. Oh, I've got a question. Go for it. If you woke up to your girlfriend masturbating to Barack Obama right next to you, how would you feel? Um, that's a good question. Thank you so much. There's a, on one level you go, I'm right here. Mm-hmm. See, it's not the Barack Obama of it all. Mm. I think it's the being next. It's to the you. I'm right here. Mm. Just ask. That's the bit that's insulting. The Barack Obama, I yeah. get it. Oh, we sure. all get it. Sure. Yeah. I don't think I'd care. No. One because. I'm sleeping, so thank you for not waking me up. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I love my sleep. And two, also like masturbating can be its own type of fun. True, That true. doesn't necessarily mean that you want to fuck. It just means that you want to enjoy yourself, have your own little fantasy, and that's cool. Yeah, I don't think it would bother me. Okay. But I love Harry's reaction. I love all of Harry's reactions. Like, fuck, they tickle me pink. Like when she scares him in the shower. I cry laughing. Where, where does where does that that's a part of her personality that I want to know where that comes from? That like, oh, I've got a great idea. I'll pretend to be a robber with a knife. I'm going to murder him because she's a little kid. She's just having fun. Sure. <laughs> it still makes me laugh. I just can't believe about it. he left in the middle of cats. I know. At the interval. Uh, he was really enjoying it too. I mean, to be fair, there is no plot, so you can leave any time in cats. <laughs> um, there was something else I just did notice as well. We've been mm. talking about flea bags, talk to the camera and so forth. The thing I did notice this time mm. is that she often tries to predict or says, I know what's going to happen now. Mm. And sometimes she knows. She yeah. always seems to know with her dad. She has got him pegged. Yeah. But there's a lot of times where she gets it wrong. There's a time when she's walking down the street and she's all made up. And she's oh, like, yeah. I feel great. This guy, I'm going to make a sex mm. offender out of him. This is awful. And then he says, walk of shame. Mm. Um, got that one wrong completely. She thought that Harry was going to take the dinosaur or not going to take the dinosaur, leave it behind. He took it that final time. Yeah. Uh, she thing. says that Claire won't eat the cake that she got her. Claire does eat the cake. Mm-hmm. Um, the handsome guy or the asshole guy, as he's known in the credits, She's convinced he's falling in love with her (laughs) and that's not true either. It's interesting that we get to even see like, yeah, that the, how wrong she is about the way she sees people. Is that because do you think there's something changing or are people seeing her differently and that's why her expectations of what, how they're going to react to her are different? I mean, I think it's different for a few um, different scenes, but I think sometimes, yeah, people, are getting to know her bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I think. I think it's wearing thin quite a few times. Yeah. The mask is starting to slip mm-hmm. as much as she tries to keep and, it on. And, you know, you like, you hold on for a while, particularly if someone you know is grieving um, and obviously going through some shit, but then you get to a point where you're like, well, I'm not going to let you, like, be abusive <laughs> towards me. So, yeah. I just want to say, like, I love the scene in the final episode with Boo, the flashback to Boo. And talking about the boy that was sent away, sent to prison or whatever. The bit and, about the eraser. Yeah. And, Bo- and Boo, of course. Of course, she's this person. Of course, Why Fleabag is friends with this person who's like, oh, well, you know, he needs help. Because Fleabag sees herself as someone who is like 
helpless or like devoid of goodness. And of course she's with someone who constantly tells her like, no, you are, you're wonderful. And like the things you do are wonderful. Um, and everyone can be forgiven and everyone has like light. And if they need help, you should give them help. Oh, it's like, of course you guys are friends. And I could see like what a loss that would be for someone who like mm. hasn't connected with her dad, is not close to her sister really, doesn't seem to have any friends or connections with anyone else, feels very alone and feels dirty and yucky and like her mum who apparently had all these problems as well. And she meets someone beautiful like Bo who's like, oh, that's why, th- that's why they make raises. It's like, oh, gorgeous. They do an incredible job of making you... Uh, understand how special Boo was to mm-hmm. Fleabag. Yeah. Like the the few scenes, maybe there's a total of 10 minutes of Boo in the entire show, mm. but her presence and her absence is felt mm. so, so well. Just beautifully illustrated and performed by that actress who I don't know off the top of my head. I looked it up today, but I can't remember. But she's... And she hasn't done a whole lot. She was actually in The Favourite. Must have had a small role oh, that I right. didn't spot her in. But... um. Yeah, I think she's wonderful. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? Um, I really enjoyed as Claire and Fleabag walk up to the silent retreat and you just hear a man yell, Sluts! <laughs> and Fleabag goes, yes. Yes. <laughs> Which I enjoyed. Um... Also, when Claire says, you know, we're going to be raped and murdered this weekend, and to which Sil- uh, Fleabag says, you know, silver linings, which <laughs> I liked. Um, I'm just remembering the bit as well when she meets the uh, the bus rat, I think he's now, bus rodent, the guy with the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to treat you like a filthy little bitch. And she's like, looks at the camera like excited. Yeah. And he's like, I'm just joking. And he's like, ha, she's like, ha, ha, ha. Oh. Looks at the camera, she's super disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's my first. You can say a couple uh, if you'd like. Sure. Uh, I ca- I've got some favorite little moments. I think the first episode, the guy plugging in all his devices oh, is just a solid so, bit. Such a good joke. Just a solid And the bit. more he takes out, the more I laugh. It's so funny. I, uh, I, I wanted to ask you about something, actually. The start of episode two, most episodes have a cold open. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they all do, actually. Episode two starts with Fleabag on the train. And that mm. song, I think it's Sail. I can't remember who it's by, is playing. And she's just on the... It's Every time sort of the bass hits or it sort of crescendos for a moment, mm. everyone on the train like yells, screams in pain mm-hmm. and then goes back to what they're doing. And then the end of that, the punch on that is, I must be getting my period. period yeah. Like, as a guy, no point of reference <laughs> to like what exact feeling or what it, what is trying to be illustrated there. Do you think? I don't How, know. Could you explain? Oh, okay. It's in no way relatable to me <laughs> and my period. I'm, I, I don't know. I find it um, very funny. But- yeah, no, it makes me laugh because you think, oh, it's it's something deep. It's something like, oh, what is what is the symbolism here? And she just goes, I think I must be getting my period. Um, sure. Just, it made me laugh. But Oh, yeah, you're waiting. Oh, that's totally... That's a very funny, just the way you explained yeah. that there. That's just what like, I thought. The what joke is? Was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is yeah. actually a very, very funny joke. Because it's so like kind of artistic and ooh, what's going on? Because they're all doing like you know, like practically like a clown workshop. You know, where actors are just like doing body work, and it's like ooh, what is this art? And then you just find out she's got a period. <laughs> um, just a favorite line of mine from mm-hmm. Godmother in mm-hmm. uh, episode five. It's a sad day, sad, sad day. 
I'll get the champagne. <laughs> just sums her up to a T. So many lines in that episode. Just the juxtaposition between like her, what she's saying, and you can just see the intention, but she does it in like her voice is a bell. So you're like, oh, that's interesting, you fucking bitch. That was something I forgot to talk about, actually. Mm. Um, just with Godmother in episode six, when she's doing her speech at this exhibition mm. and she's talking about like what this all is, what the, sh- the, the, the exhibition is about. And she's like, and ultimately it's about power. Mm. And she's looking Ugh. right at Fleabag. But not only that, and this is only, I noticed this, this time, they've positioned Fleabag, I guess, Phoebe Waller-Bridge or whoever, whatever she's referencing, right next to the camera. Mm. So, it almost looks like she's looking down the camera. She's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. It's just off. Mm-hmm. But it's the closest we've come to anybody else breaking the fourth wall. Mm. And there is a real power in that, that she's like invading. Yeah. This space that Fleabag has inherited on her own this entire mm-hmm. time. I just thought that was a really cool detail that I only noticed mm-hmm. this third time around. I, yeah, I guess that makes sense because, she, yeah, she's talking. She's inhabiting that space that belongs to Fleabag, which is the looking yeah. at the camera. But also in saying that, you know, being a sexual person, which really we've only seen Fleabag kind of dominating that realm. And she's totally. like, saying, no, no, I dominate it. And I do it without damaging myself. So, I think I win. Yeah. I get everything I want. What have you got? Do you have any other side notes? Oh, you just another highbrow um, <clears throat> quote in which Claire says, I haven't farted in about three years, which I enjoy. <laughs> uh, least favourite and favourite episodes. Damascus, what was your least favourite episode? I don't technically have a least favourite episode. It's- because sure. well, there's only six and they're it's so like beautifully constructed and there is a purpose for every single one. Absolutely. And, it's like, and every single episode has something amazing in it. But if I have to say one, I'm going to go with episode two. Because mm-hmm. um, it is... Which is the Harry episode. It's the Harry episode. They don't episode. have titles, by the way. So no, they don't. I've, I've had to like <laughs> mark them as like what they're about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's just about like how their relationship functions, um, which is like... In, Fascinating character insight, mm-hmm. um, but didn't necessarily, I guess, propel us forward. Um, but that's really my only excuse. I don't have a good one. Sure. What about you? Mine is episode three, mm-hmm. which is mostly spent with Martin. That was my yeah second choice. And and also Bus Rodent. And <laughs> I th- oh, that's right. Because we had the party. Yes. So, that's why I didn't choose it. Yeah. And the, and the party is great. Mm. And anytime... She spends a fair amount of time with Claire in that. Yeah. Including, I think, when they're in the um, cemetery at the start and the end. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff's great. In fact, all of it is great. Yes. But Bus Rodent is eh, one of those parts that take it or leave it, ultimately, I think. Not a bad part of the show, by any stretch of the mm. imagination. I love his awkwardness in the sex shop and yeah. all those things. <laughs> How oh, Parents love me and all this yeah. sort of stuff. Very, very enjoyable. And I think uh, Fleabag's relationship with Martin is quite an interesting one in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, their, and their relationship to, Qu- to Claire. Um, I think Martin is, I don't know, a bit of a reflection of Fleabag in some ways as well. But the, like, yeah, I, I just guess... It's I don't know it's my least favorite just because we spend a lot of time with Martin and and away from Claire I guess and away yeah. from Godmother and all those things I really want to see Martin more of. is hard to be around because you want to. He's deliberately slap him in the he's face. deliberately an unpleasant Grotesque, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Uh, favorite episode, Damask. Uh, it was actually really hard for me to choose between four, five, and six. Sure. Like I kept like rereading the synopsis of each and being like, oh, it's that one. No, 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 no it's that one. Uh, so. 
On any given day, it could be any one of them. Sure. Four, five, or six. Today, for whatever reason, I don't really have one. I'm going to go with episode five. Yeah. Because the godmother is fucking awful. Um, so, for those at home, it's the uh, the dinner party memorial yep. episode. Um, and, yeah, Claire has that great moment of reveal to be like, I'm staying because of obligation. Yep. Uh, which is heartbreaking. Um, we have the slap, which mm-hmm. is a great moment. Um, there is a cute moment between Fleabag and her dad on the floor when they're having a bit of a giggle, which that I is, like. I love that. I really enjoyed like, that. Like you said, that's the scene where we uh, Fleabag says, like, look, watch this, how uncomfortable mm-hmm. he's going to be with me. Yeah. But you do see that they have, as much as he is, mm-hmm. like, uncomfortable and he's, I think he's just, just doesn't know what to do. When they're mucking around on the floor yeah. ultimately. There's also the bit where he's like, don't let her see. Mm. And you see that he has a fair amount of fear he's for He's got so much Godmother. juggling going on that he's just like paralyzed. Oh. Um and yeah, so there's moments where you kind of almost see the family functioning, like when yeah. they're, you know, regaling tales of the mum. And obviously Claire stealing the statue, which is such a huge moment of bonding and pure love and it's and support, which I love, love, love. And obviously she says she's going to Finland. So it has ups and downs and I just think it's so, so good. Because I'm choosing episode five as well. Mm. And I think it because it's because the question is, what is my favorite episode? Mm. So I think episode six very easily could be argued to be the best episode. Mm. It is an excellent episode. Ending, everything is building up to this reveal. It sums up uh, and finishes its thesis in that episode. And it's beautifully done. Mm-hmm. But episode five is the one that if you said, I'm going to strap you to a tree and make you watch one of these episodes over and over again. <laughs> watching, yeah, the, the the uplifting moments in there that you're talking about with the dad and with Claire mm. are really, really strong. And Olivia Coleman is just ridiculously good to watch. Mm. And like she is delicious. Mm. Her reacting Godmother. to the attractive... Man, you're so, so good, good looking. looking. So, so, so good looking. <laughs> Even just a little bit of like Fleabag Lee and the cat out as well. Oh, uh, yeah. But why great. we came the, tree, came, came the tree down the back, it's because the cat, who I can't remember her name, yeah. keeps escaping. She's very expensive. And then you just see <laughs> the cat flap is like sticky tape yeah. shut. <laughs> very funny. Uh, normally, we'd have predictions, hopes, concerns about season two. We've both seen season two, so we can't talk we about cannot. that. cannot. Lips are sealed. But I'll tell you what I am looking forward to. Ooh, what? I'm going to be seeing uh, mm. the recording of the original stage show of Fleabag. Very fun. It's coming out, uh, I think it's worldwide, but in, a, in Melbourne it's coming out for a couple of weekends, mm. starting, I think, the weekend of October 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, if, so, if you're in Melbourne, uh, Cinema Nova's got them on. I assume there's still tickets available. Maybe there isn't. Um, but I am fascinated to see what the original mm. production I looks like. I kind of don't want to say it. I, if it was before I saw the show, I wouldn't mm. want it. Now, like the show will all... I've seen the show three times. Yeah. It will always be the version of it. Yeah. I'm fascinated to see where it came from. Mm. It'll, be, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I, I'll I s- kind of would just like to see the script of the original. Sure. Um, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm I just look like, forward to hearing your feedback. What's the same? What's different? It's a one-woman show as well. Mm. So, how does that function as well? Is yeah. she playing multiple characters or is it all just her talking to audience about her life and then a slow review. I don't know. Fascinating. And even how much, like, does the stage show go further? Because there is a season two of Fleabag. Mm. Is the stage show just season one, essentially? Or is it more? How different? I, I doubt it would see. be more because no one had any idea that there would ever be a season two. True, true, true. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, 
huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Uh, I will mention as well, um, The Good Place Season 4 has started. It has. The first episode is up on Netflix in Australia, NBC, and whatever their streaming service is in other places, I believe. Um, so, he'll be back to discuss that with us next year when that's completed. Mm-hmm. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. You may have heard him on our uh, Gravity Falls episode from a couple of weeks back. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordes, on Twitter at bgordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at maskymu, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. We'll be back next week with a episode of Off Topic, Hot Topic. For those who aren't regular listeners of the show, it's basically an episode we talk about the news surrounding TV, other things we've been watching that we might not have time to review. It's been a while since we had one of these, so there's potentially a lot to talk about. We will see. And then the week after that, so in two weeks, we'll be back to discuss Fleabag Season 2. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. You have been warned. I totally forgot. You did. Do you know who didn't forget? Who? All of our guests. <laughs> they all did it without being asked. Because I'm like, because I know you've got a spiel, so I just stopped listening. And then I'm like, oh, it's too late. <laughs> Sorry. I feel bad that you haven't done it. You need to do it. We're going to do You yeah. Have Been Warned. Right? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. You, you have been warned. warned. <laughs> you can put that in the end if yeah, you want. Yeah, I will.